Get your pen and paper ready. It's time for another edition of The The Flex. The absolute best fantasy football podcast in existence. I'll say this, not to say that I disagree, but... I disagree. Oh my God. Presented by Broadway Sports. All right. Flexers ready? I know about y'all, but that music gets me jacked up every time. Welcome on in, Flexers. Welcome to the Flex. Brought to you by Broadway Sports, media partner with 440 Sports. You can find this show and so much more interviews, breakdowns, everything you want possibly under the sun for your sports entertainment needs and news at broadwaysportsmedia.com. Welcome in. We have a great fantasy football live show for you tonight my apologies to anyone out there in the broadway world who has seen me two nights in a row now but i am enjoying the hell out of it get used to it it's gonna happen all season before we get started, before we get started tonight want to bring up something uh justin graver reminded me right before the show started we do have the flex fantasy league starting back up again please make sure to go and check that out uh jg how can they enter into this show or to the flex fantasy league the Fantasy League, which we say that way because it is the uh, the fans, fan show, Fantasy League. You go to broadwaysportsmedia.com, head on over to the premium forums, and submit your application. The instructions are there. It is for Broadway pros. We've received seven applications so far. All pretty strong. It's going to make it tough to decide, but head on over to that. BroadwaySportsMedia.com premium forum and submit your application today. We will make our picks live on this show on August 25th. We'll roll through them. We'll let you know who we picked. It'll be the four experts. Well, the three experts and your loving host here. And it'll be eight Broadway pro members joining us. Prizes will be determined later if there's a highest pro member uh, ranking. Maybe you get to submit a victory speech uh, lap and submit it in and we'll play it on the show, that kind of thing. Maybe you get to write a concession speech for the lowest expert to finish. So get Green Loggy ready to write that speech later on. Yeah. (laughs) So welcome in tonight. It is all about the running back tonight. We covered the quarterback last week. Running back has – we had some – Horrendous takes last year uh, from the show about the zero running backs taken method. I'm not going to get into all that again, but we're going to go into <laughs> the running backs again this year. And just to start us off right with the night is young. So let's go with the young running backs first and look at what rookie running backs are we targeting first. And I'd like to point out the graphics. If you'll pay attention as my Vanna White impression goes, we have a myriad of topics here that we're going to go through tonight and that'll kind of keep you help, help you keep track if you're joining late you know right where we are so we're right there at the top with our rookie running backs i'm gonna turn it over to robert greenlaw first and go with what is your rookie running back you are targeting in this year's draft so i'm targeting trey sermon of the 49ers this year he's uh drafted in the third round so he spent you know pretty high draft capital on him uh he's splitting time with raheem mostert which we know Raheem's, you know, Colonel Mustard is prone Mustard. to injury. Yeah. So we know he's prone to injury. So there's going to be an opportunity for Mostert or for Sermon anyway to get some playing time. But he's already practicing with the ones uh, in training camp so far. He's a great scheme fit with Shanahan. And you know they don't trust uh, Jimmy Garoppolo that much. They're going to run the ball. That's Shanahan's bread and butter. And even when, uh, you know, Trey Lance gets in there, they're going to be run heavy for a while until he gets truly comfortable in there. So I think Trey Sermon's got a really good opportunity to produce right now. Uh, he's 
running back 34. That's extremely low. So if I'm picking up Mostert, I'm definitely handcuffing him with Sermon because I'm assuming towards the end of the year, Sermon's going to take up uh, the starting role. Do you want, can I jump in real quick? Because I I like it. I I like this pick. It it was down between my pick and Trey Sermon. It's it's the Shanahan system, right? I mean, we've seen it Mm -hmm. with Jeff Wilson. We've seen it with Raheem Mostert. We've seen it with even Tevin Coleman, the decrepit body that he is. And even Jarek McKinnon, who wasn't that great. Anybody can, don't forget, Ruben Drones of all people back in the day, Peyton Hillis. I mean, you can, the list goes on and on of running backs in the Shanahan system that succeed. And listen, I was big on Raheem Mostert last year, and I'm still a believer in Raheem Mostert, but he burned me, baby, and I'm out. He can't stay healthy. He can't handle the workload. We've seen it for two years now. At some point, you just have to call a guy what he is, and he's just a guy and sure, this is a long-term play because eventually it will be Trey Sermon's job. I'm not entirely sure that Trey Sermon's going to be someone that you can rely on for the first six weeks, but long-term, that's your guy. And then if you're in a keeper or dynasty league, this is your guy for next year. You can get him really low. RB30 is a steal for a guy that probably could finish in, in the top 24 of running backs. Yeah, I agree with everything you both you both have said. I think there are really three rookie running backs to target this year, and we've picked out the three that I believe in. So we'll talk about the other two in a second. The only thing I want to add to this is that you're probably not getting an RB1 season from Trey Sermon. I don't think anyone expects close to that. But you're going to get RB1 weeks. And as long as you know what those weeks are, beforehand which i think you'll you'll be able to tell based on the flow of the season like that could that could help win you your season just right there alone especially if he's not drafted yeah if he's not drafted he screams one of those guys you grab off the waiver wire and he helps you win a championship at the end of the year yeah yeah and we'll we'll let you know those weeks when to play him too i'm sure we'll be all over those and we'll know exactly which weeks those are to play him so jg uh great points there everybody good job go on to your pick jg since you were last to speak there all right. Well, my pick is not the running back I would target, even though that's what we're supposed to pick here because Zach actually took mine. My guy is Michael Carter of the Jets, and I'm pretty high on Michael Carter. I was a big fan of his at UNC. This is a player I'm trying to stash nearly every league that I'm in, especially if I come out of a draft light on on running back depth at the tart at the top of the draft. I mean, he averaged 6.6 yards per carry for his college career, 8.0 yards per carry last year, which was better than his teammate, Javante Williams, who got drafted two rounds ahead of him to the Denver Broncos, who has a worse situation there competing with Melvin Gordon for snaps. He rushed over 1,000 yards last year. He outrushed Javante Williams by over 100 yards last year. He also caught 82 passes in college. So I think he's going to be somewhat involved in the passing game here. I, I saw him make a one-handed catch in a, in a Jets training camp highlight video, which, sure, don't put much stock into those, but... I mean, he has the, the ball skills to catch the ball, and I think he'll be a, at least a little bit involved in the offense. The Athletics re- reporter Connor Hughes noted recently that Michael Carter is, quote, a step above the other three running backs. So, yes, he's going to be competing for touches with Tevin Coleman. Yes, we don't really know what the heck this offense is going to look like under uh, Matt LaFleur's brother, Mike LaFleur, coming over from the Niners with Robert Sala and rookie quarterback and a rookie O-lineman expected to start. But I do think the O-line has been upgraded. Mekhi Becton's a beast. I mean, at the, this point, you know, his his ADP, Fantasy Pros has his average ADP at 78 overall. But if you look at Yahoo and ESPN, he's 30 picks later, 50 picks later on ESPN. I've routinely stashed him in like the 12th, 13th, 14th rounds in ESPN drafts. He may never 
pop this year, but I feel like he's worth that stash because he could become really good running back this year, even in what might not be a very good offense or team. You got to worry a little bit about, about LaMichael Perrine, but let me say this. You didn't even touch on one of the, the best parts about his situation, and that is run-blocking wide receiver Corey Davis is there. <laughs> I mean, come on. That's, that's true. Very true. With some advantages there, especially with a young quarterback, tends to lean on running game, pass tight end, see what Zach Wilson is. But that's not a bad pick. I like it. Yeah, I'll also say this. It is a LeFleur system, right? So we know that is a, a thing of the McVeigh, a thing of the Shanahan, and so forth and so forth. He's going to get his touches. I mean, where Mike LeFleur came from most recently, which is San Francisco, the right running back is probably going to get the touches, unlike what Matt LeFleur did here in Tennessee. So I, I think you're going to see probably a lot of Michael Carter. I think... I think you're, he's going to end up higher than Trey Sermon. Uh, but I, I kind of like the Michael Carter pick. He wasn't really on my radar before we started talking about this, so I'm going to put him on the radar. You convinced at least one person. Good job there, Graver. Woo, I did it. Hopefully <laughs> I get a gold star out of that. We'll see. we got one more to go. Zach, who is your rookie you're targeting? I, I, I mean, it was the obvious choice. It's, it's Najee Harris. I mean, Najee Harris, listen – we all know that the Steelers last year had one of the worst running back situations in the league. Not only that, they had one of the worst run blocking O lines, which a where they were 27th in uh, run block win rate on ESPN. So even with all of that said, James Conner still, still somehow was running back 27, which is a borderline running back two, which should have never happened in the in the grand scheme of things with that team. And now you're getting the better running back in Najee Harris by far, who is a three down running back, which is very hard to find in today's NFL. He has zero, zero competition behind them. We know what Benny Snell is. We know what uh, Anthony McFarlane is. They're slow plotting running backs who are no threat to the electric dynamic playmaker. That's Najee Harris. Najee Harris over the last two seasons in his college career had 3,419 all purpose yards and 50 touchdowns, five zero touchdowns. He accounted for 66% of the Alabama touches, the highest share of any running back that is entering the draft of team shares. He also caught 43 passes in his final season for 9.9 yards per reception. That's the third best mark for running backs in their final season. That weigh over 225 pounds since 2000. Saquon Barkley and Steven Jackson were the other two. The biggest issue, like I said, is the Steelers O-line. They've lost four starters, but let me say this. They have a new offensive coordinator, and Steeler fans are so happy Randy Fincher's gone and Canada is in here. And I'm telling you right now, this is the guy I am targeting in all of my leagues. I'm probably going to have to overdraft him in a few leagues, just like I did with Antonio Gibson last year. But that's okay, because right now, Najee Harris is one is a my guy for the season. Absolutely. I'm right there with you. I mean, this is a guy who's being drafted right now behind Jonathan Taylor, 
Aaron Jones, Austin Eckler. I- I'm taking Najee Harris all day over those two guys. I know we're projecting, and I know a lot of people got burned last year with Clyde Edwards-Alaire not really amounting to what people thought he could be after the Chiefs took him in the first round. But the Steelers, like you said, I mean, they're not going to give the ball to anyone else. He- we know he's going to catch a lot of passes because Ben Roethlisberger cannot throw the ball deep. He's just going to be dumping it off to Harris all day long. He's the best hurdler in the history of the game, and he's just going to be a-, a walking highlight reel for the-, for the Steelers. I can't wait to watch yeah. him. I was going to ask, are you concerned, Zach, any about the wear and tear? You talk about his his share in college. Is that transfer? Because there has been some in the past. There's been worry about Alabama players coming nicked up and already injured and kind of have a short shelf life when they get to the NFL. Any of those concerns with Najee? No, I, I, I think that if maybe he had some lingering injuries right now when we're this close to the preseason, sure. and we even saw him in the preseason game, the Hall of Fame game, and he looked like Najee Harris. It looked like he was still in college. And granted, it's a preseason game against the Cowboys, which are a horrendous defensive team still to this day, in my opinion. And I get it. But he still just looked ex- so explosive. I, I I think that what you're going to see is a Najee Harris that is closer to Derrick Henry than a Najee Harris that is closer to Josh Jacobs and Trent Richardson. Agreed. And running backs that are drafted in the first round typically end up with running back one seasons. So that's just how it works out. And like you said, the only you know concern I have is that Steelers offensive line. But beyond that, I think this is a home run pick. Shout out to my cousin, Philip, still checking in in the chat saying Najee is Derek Henry reborn. Uh, I think one of the there were some announcers, I think, in the college game said they stood next to Najee and said that they thought he was bigger than Derrick Henry, and I, I think that's still blasphemous. That is just – I can't believe that. But time will tell. So I, I, I'm torn on this one. I actually think two of y'all tied. I actually like two of y'all's picks very much in this rookie section. And I don't know if it's allowed. It's my rule, so I'm going to make a ruling right now that I'm going to go ahead and allow it. I'm, I'm tying with JG and Zach for winning this round. I think both both those are, are two guys I would love to target as rookies. I think that Najee, obviously, for, for the share he's going to get, and Michael Carter could be a sneaky one who just turns out to be that one that, that, you, that creeps up from behind and sneaks up into the top ten of all running backs, and you have a great season compared to where you draft him or where he's going to be available for you. Michael yeah. Carter and Trey Sermon are probably guys that can – be those if you're middle of the pack and you can pick them up in the middle of the season those could be end of the season league winners whereas Najee Harris can carry your team the whole season that's just from a fantasy uh strategy standpoint I wouldn't mind rostering all three of them if you could if you can get away with it that'd be great (laughs) but good luck with that for sure all right so moving on we talked about the freshmen let's talk about the sophomores so let's take a look at the second year running back that has the best shot at being a top, finishing the season top five in fantasy. Um, so these are guys that, that are in their second year. They might have been big last year. They might have fell short of some, some expectations last year. But these are the ones that we feel are the, the best shot to finish high in the rankings. And let's go ahead and start with, I don't know, JG. All right. My pick here is a guy. This is a little bit of a boomer bust pick. And the reason I went with him is just because I love his talent so much. I think he's fun to watch, even though I hate this team. And that's J.K. Dobbins, the Baltimore Ravens. He's currently going as RB17, but he's going 31st overall. So a lot of receivers are up there going ahead of him that I think I would rather land J.K. Dobbins just because the middle tier of receivers is so stacked with guys that could that could bust. But J.K. Dobbins, poor fantasy performance last season. I would attribute that entirely to one thing, and that is opportunity. Because Dobbins led all NFL backs last season with 6.0 yards per carry. Number one in the league. Finished with 805 yards and nine touchdowns. But he only 
he only touched the ball 25% of his team's rushing load. If he carries more than that this year, he was fourth in the NFL in success rate, number one in rushing DVOA, the most efficient back in the league last year. He just needs more touches. If you take his numbers over the last nine games and extrapolate them for a 17-game season, would have had 1,224 yards and 12 touchdowns. Now, obviously, we're just assuming a lot here, but that's with only 12 carries a game, which he averaged over the final nine games. If he gets the ball a little bit more, he could seriously explode this year. Lamar Jackson's refusing to get vaccinated. Rashad Bateman's already hurt. Hollywood Brown's already hurt. Who knows how much time these guys are going to miss. Sammy Watkins is a walking injury, so you know that's going to happen at some point. J.K. Dobbins wasn't that involved in the passing game last year, but I feel like they're going to change that this year out of necessity. And just because he is such a playmaker with the ball in his hands, they got to get him the ball. Nine touchdowns last year on only 140-something carry, 130-something carries. He's a stud. I, I can't wait to draft J.K. Dobbins. It's it's a it's no contest. I mean that that is, I said it last week when I was talking about Lamar Jackson, and at the time I didn't even know that he was refusing to get vaccinated after being on the COVID list twice already. And then Rashad Bateman goes down, which was really the only thing that was going to keep Lamar Jackson probably afloat because, like you said, him and Hollywood Brown have never been on the same page. Uh, Sammy Watkins sucks. And, you know, spare me that everything's going to go for the, you know, the tight end. It's J.K. Dobbins season. I told you last week is J.K. Dobbins team. And I agree. There is a good chance that J.K. Dobbins with his efficiency and what you saw last year in this particular offense, he could be your running back one. I'm not even joking. J.K. Dobbins is that talented. Boom. Green line, anything up? No, I, it's hard to dispute either of those. Was, these guys picked rock-solid picks for these this uh, category. Yeah, well, let's talk about rock-solid then and see what you pick, if if you don't mind. Oh, thanks, yeah. I uh, I picked Jonathan Taylor, you know, from the Colts. Don't love it. I know Ben Wright's watching this, and he's, he's looking real smug right now because I'm picking uh, Jonathan Taylor to finish in the top five. But he was running back six last year, uh, so he doesn't have far to go up. And he was the he was running back one from weeks thirteen through seventeen last year. Um, a lot of opportunity, whether it's Sam Ellinger or Jacob Eason or uh, Carson Wentz when he finally comes back. Offensive line is certainly a a, a bit of a concern, but I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity for him. Their wide receivers are horrible, um, so I I think they're going to run the ball a lot, and their defense is going to keep them in a lot of close games. Something's afoot there, but are you worried about teams loading the box and those limiting his chances with the receiving core is so bad the quarterbacks probably aren't to the usual Colt standards? What are your what are your thoughts there about what the opposing defenses may try to limit his his ability to get back in the top ten? Yeah, I, I definitely think that's going to be a bit of a concern, but I mean we're out of the the other rookie running backs available, he's definitely got the best chance to make the top five. Yeah, I do agree with that. I think it's a boomer bust play here, but I think Taylor, I mean, if you're looking at guys who are poised to make a potential leap, I'm not going to end up with Taylor in any league because he's just going way too high for my taste. And Dak can talk about that more later. But I do like the pick as far as somebody who could vault into that top five status. Yep. Uh, running back eight, 11th overall is a little bit rich for me. But I do think if we're taking odds, he would have the third best odds out of anyone, um, anyone on this list. I have a lot of concerns there, though. I mean, they're, as you see on the screen here, running back room a little full as well. I mean, just 
there's a lot of stuff going on there. Uh, don't know what the culture going to look like. There'll probably be thorns in the side of the Titans again, like they some always somehow find a way to be. So I wouldn't rule anything out at that point in time. So let's go, uh, JG. Who is your sophomore running back? Well, how about we go to me since I haven't talked yet and I'm the only one left because it's Antonio <laughs> Gibson, baby. It is Antonio Gibson, and you know me. If you listen to any of the three of us last year and you are in a keeper league and you don't have Antonio Gibson as a keeper, shame on you. We told you. We were so right about this, and this was a unanimous thing. We were so right about this, so shame on you if you didn't draft Antonio Gibson. I even drafted him too high because I drafted him in the sixth round in my league of record. But you know what? I got rewarded because he was by far the best running back and most reliable running back towards the end of the season. He finished in half-point PPR, RB12, standard league, 14th, PPR, full point, 13th. Don't know how that happened if he's already 12th in one, but, you know, that's what Fantasy Pros said. And he was second in touchdown rate. That is massive. And what you're hearing right now, all the negatives from last season and what you're hearing from the coaching staff this season, it's the perfect storm, baby. Last season, they talked, they took them off and did running back by committee. And when they were doing uh, hurry-up offenses, it was J.D. McKissick. Well, J.D. McKissick my ass because right now, <laughs> according to everybody else, it is Antonio Gibson's season in that regard. Antonio Gibson, according to... Uh, shit. W W Washington football talk. Um, Gibson is now being used in the hurry up offense in in its entirety. Not only that, the other thing was getting inside um on those third downs. He was not being used on third downs. JD McKiss my ass out snapped him one ninety seven to twenty two on third downs. How stupid is Washington football team? First off, that was so maddening. I watched so many games because Antonio Gibson, and he was never there on third downs, and it was due to his route running. And coach running, and the running back coach Randy uh, Randy Jordan said it was his route running, and he would turn up field way too quick. He wouldn't let his route tree develop. And let me say this: the first thing he said when describing him in a third down as a third down running back, it's night and day from last year. Everything that was wrong. Because let me tell you something. J.D. McKissick even got fat. He put on weight. Was was it muscle? I don't know. But he's heavier, which means he's slower than Antonio Gibson, who's the perfect specimen of a running back. Antonio Gibson, we're going to get into it in the next segment, but Antonio Gibson all I'm day so happy. long is your top five. And we were so <laughs> right. I just love saying we're right. Yeah. I'm so happy I have this guy, Ann Dobbins, in our Dynasty League. I can't wait to just yeah. beat all you I'm guys. very pissed off about that one. <laughs> <laughs> More as on you Gibson later. Yeah, as you mentioned, I'll get that right now, as a matter of fact, because it's kind of funny. It's going to come up on our next topic as well. He's, he's so nice. We had to talk about him twice. But real quick, this is a close one again, but I'm going to have to give the edge to Zach because I just I love that pick. I think that he I think Gibson's everybody's favorite on the show. He was a darling of ours last year. We were so right. So I'm really happy there. But we're going to move on. Speaking of Antonio Gibson, we're going to move on to our next topic is what is your strongest conviction around a running back narrative in this fantasy football season. And I'll just pick it out of thin air here. Greenlaw, let's go with you first. I'm going to go with a guy that we haven't talked about yet, which is uh, Antonio Gibson. Uh, 
<laughs> so I think Zach laid out Ooh. why I like him so much, but he's I think he's going to be Washington's uh, Christian McCaffrey. He's they have uh, Scott Turner uh, as their their uh, offensive coordinator. They're going to use him out of the backfield now. No more. J.D. McKissick as Alex Smith's security blanket. It seemed like that was the reason he was on the field. J.D. McKissick ended up as like a viable flex option for most of last year. Um, and now 75% or more of those touches are going to go to to uh, Gibson. So I think this is a slam dunk. I'm drafting him as high, higher than his current ADP, which is RB12, because I think he's going to get a lot of opportunities. I have him in a keeper league. Yeah, third round pick, and I think that's going to be unbelievable. Brag about it some more. And I'll, I'll would you like me to? Yeah, yes, I mean, please. I think you should listen because you listen to the show, obviously, right? Yeah, yeah that's what we all listen talk to about. Yourself speak. Uh, Cody Stansel puts out on uh, the chat: Has the offensive line improved or after draft slash free agency for Washington? That offensive line was fine. The offensive line is good. I know everybody wants to talk about how bad. Um, the loss of that Trent guy what was his name Trent something. They Trent Williams. Him. Yeah, Trent Williams. But they didn't really oh, no, miss a beat. They were the 14th best um, offensive line when it came to run blocking. And right now, uh, it's it's preseason, so we really don't know how these teams really will stack up. But right now, projections have them facing the fourth easiest run defenses across the NFL. Plus, if the run blocking is bad, he'll he, like you guys have talked about. He's just going to catch the ball to the backfield. He's going to be a stud. PPR, non PPR, it doesn't matter. And they drafted uh, JG's boy, Sam Cosme, from uh, Texas as an offensive tackle, too. Hook him. Hook him. Get out of here. Oh, wait, we just got flagged 15 yards. Yeah, 15 yards. (laughs) (laughs) Get out. Oh, my gosh. All right, so, Zach, why don't you kick us off? What is your strongest conviction surrounding running back narrative this year? Well, you know, Greenlaw built off of my uh, narrative. I'm going to build off uh, his. I'm going to use my narrative to build off his last segment. <laughs> Jonathan Taylor sucks. Give me a fucking <laughs> break about Jonathan. Okay, you're done. That's that's enough. Nailed <laughs> <laughs> it. We're talking about. Listen, we're talking about a crowded backfield. He is a script dependent running back because when they fall behind, because they will, because Carson Wentz sucks. They have no left tackle. When they fall behind, they're going to be turning Naheem Hines and giving him dump-off passes. So he's a script-dependent running back. Through 11 games last year, the first 11 games he played, 55.4 yards per game and only five touchdowns. That's pathetic. And then on top of that, he played the Raiders and the hapless Jags, and that's where all of his yardage and touchdowns came from. And everybody's like, oh, see, Jonathan Taylor proved my narrative right because I'm a stupid draft geek who can't fucking see that Jonathan Taylor sucks. (laughs) And Got him. On top of that, um, you cannot depend on playing the same teams of the Raiders and the Jags every year. And listen, his ADP has slowly came down because at some point he was RB3 or RB5, and he's slowly already dwindled down to RB8. If you want to be the guy that takes the risk, go ahead. I'm not buying anything on this Colts offense. This is almost just like the Raiders for me. I'm not buying hardly anything on the Raiders. And I am just out. I'm not taking him over certain wide receivers and tight ends or even Patrick Mahomes in the first round. And he is facing the fifth hardest rush defense in a projection form. Spare me the Jonathan Taylor is some godsend of a running back. He's going to be, I think, 
I think he's going to be probably the fourth worst uh, running back out of the second year running backs. Wow. Got him. Dang. Hey, Ben, thanks for coming and hanging out. We appreciate it. <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, you could just get so many running backs back there. I mean, what yeah. do you expect? Like, I, I just, I don't get this Jonathan Taylor love just based off two games, just because everybody at some point decided that he was going to be awesome. Even though he's a fumbling machine, he's already fumbling in training camp. Listen, there's no wide receiver that's going to warrant double coverage. There's no tight end that warrants coverage. They're all going to be keyed in on Jonathan Taylor anyway. Good fucking luck. Boom. Enough said there. JG, who's your pick? All righty. My pick here, strongest held convictions I have this year, is that Nick Chubb is being drafted too low. I know he's going as RB7 right now and ninth overall, but I just feel like it should be higher. Nick Chubb, to me, is one of the safest running backs in this in this entire league right now in terms of guaranteed workload. I know he's splitting time with Kareem Hunt, but like you know he's going to get guaranteed workload. Even though he's not really involved in the passing game, he just doesn't have the same question marks to me as some guys like Alvin Kamara, you don't know what's going to happen with the Saints quarterbacks right now. Or Saquon Barkley, who we don't really know when he's going to be healthy. He's, he's activated off pup, but we don't know if he's going to be ready for week one right now. Rap, even Rappaport said he might not be ready by until week three, and who knows if that's going to be a lingering issue. Chubb's in a great offense. It's going to give him a lot of scoring opportunities. He led the NFL in fourth quarter yards per carry last year, 10.0 yards per carry. 10.0 yards per carry in the fourth quarter. They have a great offensive line. The defense supposedly got better this offseason, which should just give them more positive game scripts to ride Chubb in the fourth quarter. I mean, your biggest worry here is that he runs out of bounds at the one-yard line just because he's such a good team player. He doesn't give you a touchdown when they're leading by one score in the final minutes. But that's all I'm worried about here. I'm not worried about Kareem Hunt who is a factor, but this offense supported two top 11 running backs last year. If Chubb plays 17 games instead of 12, I think that margin between him and Kareem Hunt obviously widens a little bit. I'm fine drafting both of them. I'm fine playing both of them. I think Chubb is a lock to score double-digit touchdowns this year if he stays healthy, and I, I think he finishes the top three running back this year. A lot of mocks I've seen, he's sliding to the late end of the first round, sometimes into the second round. I'm trying to get Chubb on every single team this year. I love that back end of the first round. Chubb in the first, Najee Harris on the in the second on the turn. Starting off that with a draft like that, whew, I think that is setting up for success. So I'm all in on Nick Chubb this year. Yeah, and and listen, he, yeah, sure, he has some injury concerns because you know he missed a few games in his first season. He missed some games then. But he still, when he plays, it's almost like he didn't even miss any games compared to other running backs who are healthy all season. It's just ridiculous how good he is. He's the second best running back in the NFL because Derrick Henry's the first. He always will yeah. be. Tighten up. But mm -hmm. the um, he's a close second. Agreed. I, my only question is, I, I wanted to have a counter. How many times you said if he stays healthy? Because I, I heard it at least three times, I think, in your rant there. I, I got to say, is that the? I mean, you're saying you're not worried about Kareem Hunt. Uh, obviously, they 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 were able to produce top eleven, but if he's being drafted at, at running back seven, but because of Kareem Hunt and injuries, he finishes at running back eight or nine. Is that prove? Is that I mean, is that go against proving you wrong here? I mean, what are your thoughts there? I think that that's in the range of outcomes, but I think that that's like his floor, all things, you know, staying healthy, which makes him one of the safer picks. And in the first round, you just can't whiff on your first round pick and have a great season. That It's really, really hard. I mean, you can if you play the waiver wire really well or you have the lucky handcuff or whatever. But like if you can nail your first round pick, it really puts, puts a, it gives you a leg up throughout the season and 
yes, I think that, you know, he was running back 11 last year. He only played 12 games. He still finished as running back 11. He only finished 11 games. The game he left, he only scored like four points. He got hurt and left really early. So that drags his average down too. I don't know. I'm all in on Nick Chubb. I, I know I said if he stays healthy a million times, that's just a caveat for every single player. It has nothing to do with his specific health. It's just because he only played 12 games last year. So people see where he finished in the final running back standings and he's all the way down outside the top 10. But like sort by sort by points per game and he jumps to like eight or nine, which is perfectly I think he could be even better this year, the way that the Browns, you know, second year in Stefanski's offense. I talked about it last week with Baker Mayfield, but I like the Browns offense. I don't know how you can't. Their offensive line is amazing. You might have said it too. I think this is a super pick and not in a bad way, honestly. Sorry, Ryan. I I don't think this is a uh, you know, got a wide range of outcomes for Nick Chubb. I think probably RB12 is his absolute floor, and then anything else is is baby. So if this is your first-round pick, especially at the back end of the first round, you're set at running back one for the whole season. I was just going to say, you you, you might have said it tw- two times or 20 times or 2 million times. I can't really know. I, I apparently am not paying attention to the show. I didn't I didn't let Zach go earlier, so working on some things here. I am update now. We are ready for me to pick a winner for this one, and I, I got to keep it consistent. I went with Antonio Gibson last round. I'm going to go with him again this round. Greenlaw, you get the gold star for this topic. Thank you so much. No problem. So, <laughs> hey, oh, and special announcement joining the show. If it was our guest, Derek Henry. This is awesome. Well, I'm kidding. We are going to go to Derek Henry Fantasy Outlook. <laughs> we tried. We reached out to his agent. Uh, they didn't call us back. We would love to have Derek Henry come in here and tell us about how he's going to stiff arm defenses into oblivion. But, uh, Zach, Lead us off here. Well, you look like you're busy, but Zach, no, I'm good. Yeah, lead us off here uh, with your Derrick Henry fantasy outlook for this season. Listen, somehow he finished RB3 last year, which is I, really odd. And if he finished RB3 last year, I probably would have lowered my rankings a little bit when I was going off the cuff here because I originally think that he's going to, you know what? He, I'll, I'll stick with it. He's going to be in the RB6, RB10 range. And, and it has nothing to do with the talent of Derrick Henry or the success of this team. Well, it kind of does have to do with the success of this team. Because with Julio, Ryan Tannehill, and A.J. Brown, there's only so many places the ball can go. And Derrick Henry is facing the ninth toughest run defense schedule. Look, he starts off a little slow, typically. Now, that may not be a problem with Julio Jones on the outside. And listen, this could open up some big running game. I just don't know if you're going to see a top five running back performance out of Derrick Henry. If if I was betting money, I'd probably be in, and the bets were who's finishing top five. I'd probably stay away from Derrick Henry altogether because obviously he can do, he could, he's just on that borderline. And I think if you're in the first round, you obviously can't pass up Derrick Henry. If you're in the top five picking, Will you, and if you even see an RB6 to RB10, it really is going to matter. Derrick Henry is an RB1, will always be an RB1. But you got to remember, he went 2,000 yards last year and still, still is RB3. It's just kind of crazy. Yeah. I will kind of go the other way, though. I think Derrick Henry should be the first pick in fantasy drafts this year. And my reasoning is very similar to my Nick Chubb take. And it's the safety element. It's a, CMC is coming off a major injury. We don't know how that's going to affect him. There's a lot of new weapons in Carolina. I'll get to the Panthers later. Alvin Kamara, I mentioned him earlier. Saints quarterback situation. If Jameis Winston wins a job, that is really bad for Kamara because Jameis Winston does not check down. If Taysom Hill wins a job, that's also bad for Kamara's red zone production. So I'm low on him. I just feel like 
there's no player. Uh, Dalvin Cook's the other big guy who might finish ahead of him. Dalvin Cook feels like he gets hurt every year. The Vikings are a COVID disaster right now. I don't want anything to do with the Vikings. Derrick Henry, there's no player in the league with a bigger guaranteed workload who's been more durable over the past few years, who runs for more yards after contact than most players run for. I know that he's not going to run for 2,000 yards again. He might. But even if he has 500 less yards and five less touchdowns, and he has 1,500 yards and 12 touchdowns this year, I mean, that could be a fantasy-winning season for your first-round pick when there's just so much boomer bust potential with all the other guys. So, yes, he may not finish RB1. He may not have the pass-catching upside. But I feel like because you know he's going to touch the ball 15 to 20 times every single game, you know he's going to get every single red zone carry, he's just the safest player in fantasy. Yeah, I disagree with you. yeah, it's hard to disagree with uh, what JG said. I understand having a little bit of reservation with the added, you know, pass catchers with Julio or Darrington Evans maybe eating a little bit into the workload, although I, I'm not sure it's going to be a ton. But I do think he's super safe and uh, definitely someone I'm going to target, if he's, especially if he's available in the back end of the first. Yeah, yeah. Th- that offense can go either way as far as it's going to open things up more for him or is there going to be too many targets to, for the for the share for it to be as great as it was? I would argue that the same opportunities are going to be there for Derrick Henry and defenses are going to have a tough time. So you're going to have to play it week by week a little bit with Derrick Henry. If, you, if you've got a tough choice at running back positions, obviously if you drafted him early, then you roll with him for the whole season if you don't have anything that can, can supersede him. But if you have something that, you know, maybe you have a d- difficult decision <laughs> – Flex or something like that, you want to maybe look at the matchups and see if it's a run porous and Derrick Henry is going to eat against those teams. And always start him versus the Jaguars, the Colts, the Texans, anybody in the South. Just just roll him out there regardless because he's going to do something amazing in that game. I had a friend a couple of years ago that asked us uh, before, this was before, to be fair, this was before Derrick Henry's magical runs, but it was versus the Jaguars and he, and he was debating. He said, should I start uh, – Mark Ingram or Derrick Henry and, and Jonathan Bourne and I were like, you got to start Derrick Henry. He's going to go nuts tonight. Uh, 99 yard, 99 yard touchdown night. And he had, he yeah. went that night and he didn't start him. So don't be that. Uh, guy. Don't be, uh, I should have it up. I'm going to get that for next time. Don't be that guy for sure. And that, that was the first week of the fantasy playoffs, by the way, which is my last point on Derrick Henry is that he always heats up in December, which is the most important time for your fantasy team. Those last weeks of the regular season and the fantasy playoffs, the best, runner in the best time of year again safest player in fantasy just draft him if you can he's gonna go early plus if you're a titans fan he's a good option to keep on your roster to, to also root for your fantasy team but then root for your favorite team can't go wrong there for sure and no i don't think graver's mom got any autographs uh from any week from derrick henry unless i unless i missed a notification and if, and if no did, you are correct no and actually not breaking cursed. news she got dak prescott's autograph and that's why he's got a shoulder injury now i was stunned <laughs> It was an MRIs. He's addicted. Oh my gosh. All right. It's so a recreational one. Real quick, before we move on to our next, we have a few topics left. Uh, go ahead and start loading up some questions for us about running back specific things, anything you want to need. We're going to ignore your questions just for a minute so we can save some time at the end of the show for QA, get some stuff going there. So start loading those up in the chat. We'll keep track of them. We'll, we'll get to them at the end here. But let's move on to our forgotten running backs uh running back someone who performed high level last year people really shouldn't be forgetting about but for some reason they're just not on the the tips of people's tongue or the top of mind when it comes to running back performers in fantasy uh and zach start us off again well uh the dak prescott news is pretty pertinent because uh if he is out 
And he's and if he has to go to rehab for this MRI addiction, which the Cowboys uh, think he has, um, this pick doesn't really matter. So uh, I wasn't big on Ezekiel Elliott when this when the offseason started. In fact, uh, my brother-in-law, Eric Jainer, who may be uh, actually watching, was trying to brag about trading for Ezekiel Elliott and how great Ezekiel Elliott's going to be. And I just... I just couldn't get around to it. I started coming into it with Ezekiel Elliott recently, and I'm thinking, okay, Dak's back. Going to have some hard knocks, you know, some, you know, uplifting moments from that. And now we get the news from that, that Dak Prescott is is got an MRI, may not even play. Apparently it's a baseball pitcher injury, which probably means he's going to have to have Tommy John surgery Ugh. or something like that. But listen, if Dak is healthy, when he's with Dak, RB3. Without Dak, RB19. Okay? It's probably oh. going to be a little bit worse this year because they don't even have a competent backup in Andy Dalton this year. And I can't believe I'm having to say that Andy Dalton is a competent backup. Hook him, Garrett Gilbert, baby. Yeah, he ended up RB9. But here's the thing. The concern is Tony Pollard. Tony Pollard is a guy that is going to eat into the workload again. We saw it last year. Ezekiel Elliott kind of gave up because things got got tough for him, and Ezekiel Elliott's a little bit of emotionally weak and mentally weak person, like some most Ohio State players are. And, it, you know, then you got C.D. Lamb there, too. It's, it's going to be tough for Zeke, and Zeke's not going to be able to handle it if Dak's out. So, th- granted, if Dak is healthy... Ezekiel Elliott should be at the forefront of your minds because he's an RB3. The first five weeks he was last year while Derrick Henry was middling around in the RB double-digit territory. So <laughs> if Dak is healthy, our, Ezekiel Elliott is is a pick, and I, I can't believe that he's kind of forgotten about right now. I know that his ADP is uh, six overall, but and I don't think that a lot of people in your draft, when it comes time, especially with the Dak question mark, he may even drop further because of that. It, I kind of think he's going to be a good little pick. Yeah, there is a chance that all these Cowboys drop and you can buy them at a discount because I still think that offense is going to be high-powered. I think Dak will eventually be back and be fine. I, th- I think this recreational MRI is kind of to see if he really has healed it all over the last week of non-throwing. But, you know, I agree with you, Zach. The only thing I'm worried about here is that hard knocks is going to just pump up the Cowboys and there won't be a dip to buy and that you you'll end up like getting overhyped, and then he, he gets overdrafted. But for well, the most I heard part, that it I, sucks, I so we may not have to worry about that because it may start seeing ratings dip. I, I didn't <laughs> mind the first episode. I think because of the star power of the Cowboys, a lot of people are going to just keep tuning in. To be honest, here's I'm the thing. Saying, I said it on the podcast. We complain all year that the the fucking Cowboys get too many primetime games, and here everybody is turning into a a reality show about the Cowboys. That's because Either- the Cowboys are a reality show. Jerry Jones is a reality show. Mike McCarthy and his mojo moments are absolutely a reality show. It's the whole not thing. It's see TV, though. It's, I mean, like, let's watch F-Boy Island as a nation over watching. Uh, <laughs> I got to see this F-Boy Island. I, that's, I that's support the, both. I heard that all day today. So, and I, I'm, I'm out on the loop on Hard Knocks this year. I, I, this apparently this live, this really fabulous live stream isn't doing the Hard Knocks recap again this year. Those guys were very smart, educated, good looking young men. I just, I, I hate that they're not doing it anymore. And, and well, you had me up to you said young men. 
<laughs> well, I was trying to portray that I'm not that old because I was one of those guys on the show. But yeah, so let me ask you this real quick, JG, before we move on. Is there any, uh, are you still targeting Dak in your quarterbacks? You were pretty confident last year. Is it still a target with this recent news for you? Yeah, he is. And again, I, I'm buying the dip. I think if you can get Dak at a discount, we're still over 30 days away from the start of the season. If we get a week out and it's not looking good, then maybe I'll change my tune. But it's we have a long ways to go. I think Dak's going to be fine for week one, and I'm all in on the Cowboys offense. They're one of those that you just can't bet against. Okay. Since you're up there nice and pretty on the screen, why don't you go ahead and give us your forgotten running back? All right. My forgotten guy is Chris Carson of the Seattle Seahawks. To me, he's just a solid, solid RB2 that everyone doesn't like to draft because he's not sexy. In 2018, finishes RB15. 2019, he finishes RB12. He only played 14 games in 2018. only played 15 games in 2019. Last year, he only played 12 games, slid down to RB19. But the games he did play... PPR average points per game, he finished ranked RB13. So with Shane Waldron going up to Seattle from LA, bringing that supposedly bringing that Rams outside zone based offense up there, you might see a better, more efficient run offense. Although, what's crazy, a lot of people don't realize this, Chris Carson led the NFL in rushing success rate last year, successful runs on over 64% of his carries. Seattle is still stuck in all these third and long situations because their passing game was terrible. But they got Shane Waldron there. I feel like it's going to be a more efficient offense with more scoring opportunities. I don't know if he has the upside to finish as like an RB1. Definitely not the RB1. And I don't know if he has an RB1. You know, he's going to be in that RB10 to RB15 range. But that's a solid weekly floor for your team that can be very reliable, allows you to take high upside picks elsewhere on your roster and shoot for the moon. And I think he warrants that third or fourth round selection if you end up starting your draft with a couple of receivers and or a tight end and you need an RB2. I mean, he's, he's as dependable as they come. Plus, he always For has sure. those couple games. He's got that floor, like you mentioned. Plus, he always has those big bust game, or excuse me, boom games every once in a while too. So, if you've got a nice floor going, where you just he's he, you can count on him, and all of a sudden he's going to spike in a couple weeks, depending on the matchup. You know, he, he may be a really nice pick there for somebody, especially going where he is. Yeah, and after the season, you know, Pete Carroll said that he wanted to run the ball even more. Um, they're too dependent on Russell Wilson's arm, so can definitely see him solidly in that top tier of. Uh, RB2s. I fully no agree. Doubt. I have nothing to add. I think you guys hit it on the head. Nice. Perplexed by this. I think we just crashed the chat. <laughs> Whatever that happened. All right. So, uh, <laughs> Greenlaw, who is your forgotten running back? My guy is Alvin Kamara. JG tried to, you know, dunk on him a little bit earlier because, you know, he might have Taysom Hill as his quarterback, which I agree that's about worst-case scenario. Taysom Hill is not a quarterback. I don't know why one of the smartest offensive minds in football in Sean Payton tried to make him the quarterback one. But if that's the case, I'm still not worried about it. Uh, Cameron Jordan's been on record saying I think people are going to be amazed by you know, how much Alvin Kamara does for us this year. Um, he was RB1 uh, last year. A lot of that's because of the six-touchdown game, but he was still top three running back before that. He's going to have a ton of opportunities in the passing game, especially if they get rid of Michael Thomas before the season starts. Uh, he, he is the RB1 for them. There's no, you know, guy but, uh, behind him that's – going to take the starting any touches from him so very solidly on Kamara as an RB1 he's going to have a lot of opportunity 
the offensive line is still really good despite not having, you know, a good quarterback. Their offensive line is good. Uh, so not not too worried about Kamara, even though it seems like some people are down on them. Yeah, I agree. And I do think if they if they get rid of Michael Thomas, then not only is Kamara their RB1, he's also going to then be yep. their wide receiver one at that point. So. <laughs> he, he might have led them in receptions last year anyway. So yeah, yeah. get rid of Thomas for sure. And yeah, he's going to have a lot of opportunities. He finishes RB1 last year. A huge part of that was the six touchdown game. But that's also part of why his like weekly ceiling is so high is because he could score a six touchdown game in the fantasy semifinals or whatever. Um, so I think it's weird to see a guy who finishes RB1 overall who, you know, Breeze missed a lot of last season. It wasn't like he was out there the whole time. To then drop to RB4 is kind of a far fall. Now, I'm still taking Derrick Henry over him. That might be it, though. Yeah, he doesn't have the durability concerns that a Dalvin Cook has or a Saquon Barkley has or a lot of these top guys. I mean, there's no reason why he can't be RB1 again next year. Right. I yeah. agree. I agree too. And and I get this feeling and you know how my feelings went last year. We kind of had my feeling about Justin Herbert and some other things. I, I get this feeling with the saints offense too. If it's somehow Jameis Winston football needs Jameis Winston to be that starter of that offense. They need him to take the reins. It'll be either the worst thing every week for football or the absolute best for football. But I really think that Alvin Kamara would thrive uh, with Jameis Winston. I just call me crazy. I get this feeling. I have nothing to back it up. No stats, no great football inside, but just, just Jameis Winston with perfect 2020 vision getting his chance again you know I, I think he'll throw to his team more than the other team this this go around so we'll see what happens so and that's actually going to be my winner Greenlaw you get my gold star for this topic with Alvin Kamara I think you, you present the best up, uh, argument I think it's the best pick for the forgotten running back because he is falling from someone who finished number one falling back any typically doesn't happen in these drafts so I don't care who the quarterback is I think Alvin Kamara is going to have a good season because that offense going to run through him so good job Greenlaw I appreciate it. And just so everyone knows, no one has seen Jameis Winston with 2020 vision and he's had some outrageous workouts this off season. So he's going to be maybe QB one this coming. Uh, it's going to be line. wild. We'll see that. So let's, let's go on to our uh, sleepers here. Um, just nothing here. Who are your sleepers? Who are the ones that are going to pick low or going to finish Near the top, going to finish well, not counting on uh, to be your your impact starters on the fantasy roster. Uh, Greenlaw, let's actually stick with you. Run it back. Start us off with your sleeper. My guy is someone who was picked super high last year and disappointed everybody, uh, and that's Clyde Edwards-Alaire. He was uh, top five in a lot of picks in a lot of drafts last year. Uh, he was going to the Chiefs, you know, the offensive juggernaut. Everyone just assumed he was going to be an awesome fit. And he stunk. Uh, running back 22. So you probably lost, did not win your fantasy league last year unless you picked up James Robinson off waiver wires if you drafted him in the first round and got running back 22 production. Uh, he played in 13 games. They brought in Le'Veon Bell part, uh, partway through the season. So bad uh, as far as production goes. And he was scoring like nine points a game at, at one point. This year, they got a completely new offensive line. There's no competition behind him. The offensive line is very young, and I think that's what's going to play into him being successful is when you have a young offensive line, pass pro is normally the last thing to come, uh, come along. So I think they're going to run it 
a little bit more. He's going to have more opportunities. And in the red zone, I think he's going to become a factor again uh, with teams keying a little bit more on Kelsey if they, you know, trying to take him away a little bit. So I think this is a bounce back for him. I'm not saying RB1 like he was drafted last year, but I, I do think he can be a really solid RB2, which, you know, he was last year, even though that's not a guy you really wanted to plug into your lineup. I think this year he'll be a guy – you put him in that RB2 spot and you're going to be, you know, consistently getting 15, 16 points a game. Yeah, the uh, the Clyde Edwards-Solaire hype train really took me down. I traded for Clyde Edwards-Solaire thinking that he was going to be something. And I traded for this the next running back or that I get to talk about uh, in, a, in the next segment for something. And it took me down a dark path. It was it was overhyped. It was worthless. What a disaster Clyde Edwards Hilaire was. I am hoping for a bounce back, but I I'm not too confident. I think 22nd overall. I think if he's in the third or the fourth, that's when I'm gonna jump on him. I'm gonna pass over him in the second round myself. I kind of feel the same way. This is where I'm looking at Najee Harris. And if Najee's gone, then maybe a wide receiver in that range because uh, look. The Chiefs are a super juggernaut, no doubt about it, but I do think there's reasons to be concerned about their offense this year. I think there's reason to be concerned about, obviously, starting three rookie offensive linemen could be cool, or it could be a disaster. Orlando Brown coming in to play left tackle after he's been a right tackle his whole career and only played left tackle for eight games and playing for Lamar Jackson at left tackle. I know Patrick Mahomes can move around, but... Blocking for Lamar Jackson has got to be easier than blocking for any other quarterback. So let's see how it goes. You know, Patrick Mahomes is a very unique style where he just drops back and back and back and back. And a tackle forcing his guy around the arc in that situation, not necessarily the best. So let's see how this Chiefs offense looks this year. Sammy Watkins, I know Sammy Watkins gets hurt every year, but he played a pretty big role in this offense. Let's just see how, how it goes. I'm kind of weary about Clyde edwards helaire myself. I would not so, take him for what it's worth. I wouldn't take him at running back 14 or 22nd overall. I think that's a bit rich, but I do think closer to draft time, he'll continue to drop a little bit and he will be a solid uh, running back too. Yeah, I, I think, I think what Chris just, and you just put it up on the screen, what he said is correct. I think there's going to be a lot of people that got burned by CEH and saw other people get burned by CEH. And I think he's going to continue dropping and like you said, starting three rookie offensive linemen is really bad. But the fact that they don't even have depth anymore, because the only reason those three rookie offensive linemen are starting is because of injury. So if they get injured, then you're going to have their third or fourth string offensive linemen or offensive linemen coming off the street. I think it's going to be a really tough year for the Chiefs on offense. I know Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes, but I, I am a little hesitant on everything Chiefs Chiefs right now. I was going to try to make a joke about how JG seemed to be doing all he could to avoid the, the phrase. We'll see what happens. We will see what happens, though. <laughs> no one can deny that we will see what happens unless Kyle Shanahan oh, is right. That's a first <laughs> myself was to not to say that phrase. We'll see what happens after all out publicly. I know he wasn't tweeting at me, but there was a call out that spoke to me like, oh, I do say that quite too much. So 100%. Uh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> That's the other trope. Oh, oh for <laughs> All right, Zach, save us here. All right, Miles Gaskin is my sleeper. And listen, 
If you listened to the show last year, you would have heard me and Greenlaw pick Miles Gaskin a few times for our start and sit start because it was such an easy thing because he was so good. You, I don't think people realize how good Miles Gaskin was in a horrible situation. A quarterback carousel, wide receivers who couldn't stay healthy, and somehow in just 10 games, he ended up as um, – Oh, crap. I don't think I wrote it down. Oh, RB28. And he only started seven games, played in 10 games. So started seven games, RB28. And it is it is way, it's a way, the future is bright for Miles Gaskin. He's got to wear shades. He turned 183 <laughs> touches into 972 yards. 183 touches is nothing. Uh, Derrick Henry shits 183 touches before he even put, gets onto the field. And he got 972 yards and five scores. He's an excellent pass catcher. So he's not coming off the field in third down. If you're, if you want to give a pro comparison that's currently in the league to someone like Miles Gaskin, you can look over to Austin Eckler. If you're a believer in Austin Eckler, get Dime Store Austin Eckler and Miles Gaskin and get better <laughs> value because he'll be, he'll be better than Austin Eckler is. I'm telling you right now. With the additions that this team has made on offense with Will Fuller, Devontae Parker, uh, and uh, Jalen Waddell, Tua's looking great. The offensive line got a little bit better. They're in a better offensive system than Chan Gailey's system. And there is no competition behind him. Spare me Malcolm Brown. Spare me Salman Ahmed or whatever that guy's name is. Ahmed. It doesn't matter. matter. Listen, I don't care about the salamander back there. I care about Miles (laughs) Gaskin. And... Let me say this is that you you are getting a still in Miles Gaskin. I'm trying to trade for him in a few leagues and I'm getting no response because obviously people want to keep him. This is the guy that you need to be targeting. Much like um your RB2 and Chris Carson, this is a a bona fide RB2 that I think has one of the highest upsides that nobody is talking about across the fantasy football world. He could be yeah. an RB1 for sure. I I mean he was getting – I had him last year, and he was getting 20 points a game before he you know, he died. But he's back. He's back, and he's better than ever. Uh, I At 46 overall, that seems like a steal. I cannot even believe that's where he's getting drafted. But, you know, people aren't gas guys like Zach and I are. Well, let me say yeah, this. I think that's going to continue to drop too. Sorry. Sorry. I just want, I'm just excited about Miles Gaskin. No, I agree. I agree. No. And what I was going to say is you look over here on our, at our graphic on the right, finishes RB 28 overall, but that's because he only played 10 games. He, he averaged 16.4 PPR points per game. And like you guys said, I mean, at this value, if you start your draft with two absolute stud wide receivers, because you choose to go that way, you know, like Tyreek Hill and Devonte Adams or any combination that you want, you come back around with Miles Gaskin and Chris Carson those next two rounds. I think your roster is looking absolutely fine. Yep. Well, and I look at it this way, uh, you know, just real quick. It, it's so hard to find three down running backs that never come off the field. And he is one of them. Derrick Henry even is a guy that comes off the field, right? And he's probably going to come off the field more with Darrington Evans being healthy. It's, it's so hard to find those guys. Najee Harris, Miles Gaskin. Alvin Kamara should never come off the field, but even Latavius Murray eats into him. It's hard to find these guys. And this is a guy that you can put some faith in and get probably, I would say by the end of the day, his ADP is probably going to be sixth or seventh round. 
And I just think that he doesn't have the name recognition. He's on a team where people are just gonna be like, oh, the Dolphins, they don't. I don't believe in Tua. I don't think this running back's be good. I think there's a narrative around this team where you can find some value picks all the way through. Yeah, I agree. All reports are that Tua's looking pretty good so far, so maybe it's a good time to hedge your bets on the running backs as well, see if they'll boom this year with Gaskin. So good stuff there, Zach. Well, way to interrupt JG about four times, and I'll let you this point. So I'm going to turn it over to JG at this point and let him give his sleeper pick. Yes, and Griffin nailed that Miles Gaskin one there in his comment when we first started this segment so i wanted to give him that shout out all right let's get to my sleeper it is damian harris of the new england patriots and now this is a real sleeper because he could be terrible only average nine points per game last year he doesn't catch the ball a lot we don't know what new england's office is gonna look like we don't know who their quarterback is but we do know what cam newton recently said to mike giardi which was quote you won't see me being a battering ram like i once was a battering ram aka cam newton stealing all of the running back touchdowns in New England. Last year, Cam Newton had 42 red zone carries, 19 of those inside the five-yard line, which was the fourth highest number of any player in the entire league, including running backs. Damian Harris only had six red zone carries last year. That could happen again, yes. But if Mac Jones ends up winning the starting job or playing sooner than later, there's a chance that Harris benefits and becomes that goal line carry recipient. And Bill Belichick was raving about him recently. He said he, he's really improved from year one to year two and loves his work ethic. And Bill Belichick raves about a lot of players, but he didn't have to say this stuff in the press conference. He said it in and he said it. So I think of Harris as a great running back to take a chance on in the ninth and 10th rounds, that kind of range if, if your running back depth is weak because he could end up being a, a solid RB2 or even better. I mean, he could end up scoring 12 touchdowns this year if he gets the brunt of the goal line carries for the Patriots. We're, we're a little far removed from it, but we're not too far removed to remember LeGarrette Blunt. And yeah. last year, we were big Harris guys on this podcast, and there were games where he rewarded us. There were games where he was that guy, but the Patriots offense was just so putrid. Yeah, They got run-blocking extraordinaire tight end in Johnny Smith. And <laughs> let me just say, I just think this is going to be a good, it's a good situation for Damian Harris. I like Damian Harris. I'm with you. And I think McCorkle winning the job is best case scenario for him. The sooner McCorkle wins that job, the better. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, Joker's gonna Joker's gonna ball out this year for sure. <laughs> With little faith in Cam Newton in this in this podcast, at this point in time, Cam Newton may just go off this year. He may be all healed and ready to go. So who knows? Hey, but he's not going to be the battering ram. He said it himself. Yes, yeah, so it's going to take away some of the value, or at least you, you would think it would, right? Yeah. yeah. So. As much as it pains me to do this, I really like Zach's argument. I'm going to give him the gold star, and let, he's winning with Miles Gaskin. I'm actually really liked all of his arguments there, and I think the Miles Gaskin is a is a, the true sleeper. I Clyde Edwards Hilaire, fine, but I don't view that as a sleeper because he's known, even though people maybe sleep on him a little bit compared to last year, but not all the way. Miles Gaskin, people probably aren't even targeting in their drafts at this point in time. Who knows? Unless they're smart and listen to this show. But good job, Zach. You win that gold star. And just a little recap, he does have the lead right now. So the, the both of you have a little bit to make up here. One of you has no chance of winning this this week again. So you know, might as well give up. I'm kidding. But let's go on to the bus. <laughs> let's go on to our next, our last topic here, the busts. And Greenlaw, who is your bust at running back this year? My guy is Saquon Barkley. Ooh. Running back five, fifth overall. Might not even start the season, as JG said earlier. Might not even start till week three 
He's never healthy. He played in 16 of the last thir- or 15 of the last 32 games. This Giants offense is a cluster. The whole team is. They got people retiring left and right. Kelvin Benjamin's retiring and stealing things out of vending machines. It's crazy up in uh, New York. I would stay away from every single person on this offense. Daniel Jones is a fumbling machine. Who even knows if he'll be able to hand the ball off to Saquon before fumbling it? Running back five is so impossibly high. I would take Najee Harris over him. I'd take uh, Chubb over him, which we talked about. There's a, a lot of guys that I like way better than Saquon Barkley, and they're you know a little bit more durable than him too. He's just a huge risk for me, especially that high. you got to hit on him. It, it will be interesting to see how Saquon Barkley bounces back because you're right. I mean, horrible injury, horrible team, horrible coach. It's just not a great situation for someone who's supposed to be a what horrible organization. Just oh yeah, just uh, Dave Gettleman. Yeah, the the it's gonna be hard for him to transcend and be what he's being drafted to be. And I I think it's odd that of all players in all situations that we've seen over the years and running backs who come off injury who suddenly drop off. It's like CMC and Saquon Barkley, neither of them ever got injured. I, I just find that so odd that neither of them yeah. got injured last year and they were perfectly fine and there's nothing to worry about. I agree. I'm, I'm wary of these top guys. That's why I, I said Derrick Henry's my number one running back and I'll talk more about it in my when I get to my guy here. But it's just so risky. And like you guys say, you have to hit on these picks if you want to do well in your league. You got, this first round, especially top five pick, that's important. You got to hit it. So I don't know. I'm scared. And, you know, even if he is amazing, what's the drop off between him and Derrick Henry or one of these guys that is more durable that haven't missed a bunch of games? It's it's next. Negligent. It's not worth the risk. Yep. And since Zach brought him up, let's go to uh, JG, your pick, since it was kind of already talked about there, and you can lead into him a little bit with your points you were just alluding to. So I, I teased this a bit earlier on the show, but I am staying away from Christian McCaffrey. And the reason is because he is going as the RB1. Talked about guys we like more Derek Henry, Alvin Kamara. I don't know that I like Nick Chubb and Ezekiel Elliott better. But I'm just scared of Christian McCaffrey coming off this major injury. I do think he's going to finish as an RB1, and he might even finish as the RB1. It's very possible. He has averaged more points than anyone in fantasy each of the last two seasons, even though he only played three games last year. He did really well in those three games. But I'm a little worried about new quarterback Sam Darnold, who's routinely, throughout his career, showed up in the bottom five of the checkdown pass rates that Pro Football Focus tracks. That's big for, for Christian McCaffrey, who catches a lot of passes out of the backfield. Plus, they have a lot of weapons on the outside. Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, just drafted Terrace Marshall. You know, Robbie Anderson was there last year, but he wasn't there two years ago when Saquon had his last really great full season. So they have a lot more weapons on offense. They don't necessarily need Saquon to carry, or sorry, Christian McCaffrey to carry them the way that they have throughout his career. So I'm just worried that CMC is not going to be paying off this overall RB1 value. And I don't know how many times I said Saquon when I meant to say Christian McCaffrey during that, but I'm scared of both of them. So my mind's mixing them up. So just don't draft either in the top three of your drafts. I think it's wild that CMC is number one, especially with Dalvin Cook. Like Dalvin Cook's last year, Derrick Henry last year, even Nick Chubb. I mean, I just just don't get it. I I understand that 
you know, in the years leading up to last year, he was really good. I mean, you're talking about a guy that, you know, had 1,900 yards from scrimmage and 2,400 yards from scrimmage in 2018 and 2019. But that, I mean, this injury is just, it's big. And, you know, he's going to be resting. They're probably not going to put him into preseason games. That matters at the beginning of the year. Yeah. And who knows? I mean, he may be broken down by now. Like, he's not a young guy anymore. Running back lifespans are not as long as, as we like them to be. And they really fall off pretty quick, to be honest. R.I.P. Yeah. Fair enough. There's a lot to be concerned about. Zach, finish us off here in the uh, sleep with that sentence. So I'm going Josh Jacobs, and I want to start off with saying, fuck you, Josh Jacobs. I traded for you last year when it mattered most in the middle of a, a run, and you let me down. I hate you. You're trash. You only got two 100-yard games. Somehow you got 12 touchdowns, but you know what? That's really just because there's nobody else to take them away from you. And now here comes Kenyon Drake, and he's going to take them away from you because you guys are going to be behind most of the time, and they're going to take you off the field because you can't catch. You have zero, zero receiving touchdowns in your first two years. You had 3.9 yards per carry last year. You're facing the seventh hardest, hardest rush defense you're going to be playing behind, like I said, because you are the Las Vegas Raiders are 10 game, have 10 games where they're underdogs. Not only that, your receivers didn't really get better. So that means you're going to see what yet again, probably top five stacked boxes like you did last year in eight man plus eight or more man boxes stacked up against you. This is a person, now I keep saying you because I hope you're listening or hope you somehow Google your name and you find out that I talk so much shit about you because I hate you. I just despise you. I will never draft you. The only Raider I will ever draft this year is Darren Waller, and I'm not even even going to look at trying to draft any Las Vegas Raiders. I think they're one of the worst teams in the NFL, the one of the worst-ran teams in the NFL. And Kenyon Drake is going to just eat into any kind of value that Josh Jacobs has. I was going to say, don't ever accuse Zach of being just pro-Bama all the time because that rant right there, you can't you can't do it. You can't say that he's pro-Bama and then, then pull up that rant and see what he said about a former Alabama player at running back. So, well done. You heard me. Hurt. I have a long memory. I'll never forgive you. You, you, you sound very hurt and i'll say you know josh jacobs was like top four in the nfl i think in red zone carries last year he's i think he was maybe tied for third in carries inside the 10 yard line and the guy he was tied with Kenyon drake just got added to his team both guys scored nine rushing touchdowns from inside the 10 one of those guys is going down this year and i feel like it's gonna not be the guy that they just signed in free agency and paid a bunch of money to it's gonna so. be the guy that's slow that doesn't hit the hole fast, it's going to be Josh Jacobs. Yeah. There you go. Well done. I honestly think y'all all three brought up wonderful points here, and for the first time ever in the history of the Flex, we've got a three-way tie for the gold star here. But with that three-way tie, that does mean that our grand champion this week is Zach Lyons, Mr. Incredible. 2-0. Got a lot of catching up to do over here. Uh, a lot of kids. I did like, win it's two like ties. It's like start <laughs> all over again. Two of my gold stars were ties, so I didn't win anything outright. Well, make better points, and I'll pick you. I don't. I don't know what to tell you. 
Yeah, great. Well, those are all our topics. We did finish, guys. We did it. We got all of our topics in under two hours. Wait, we shooting for an hour or two hours? Either way, it was fun. Uh, we did. I did see a couple questions that I didn't know if anything was piled up in the chat. Uh, Mr. Producer, did you catch anything? Anything? I did see Javante Williams. I think question. We do have a Javante Williams question. Should you try to go Javante Williams late in the draft for the Broncos? What do we think? Eh. I think you should, because let's be honest here. He's RB 25 right now uh, in ADP, probably 64th overall. I, you know, I don't, I'm not a believer in Melvin Gordon. I, I He can't stay healthy. He's got the wear and tear that you don't want in a running back. He's not very efficient. I think Javante Williams is probably worth it taking a flyer on, kind of similar to Michael Carter or Trey Sermon. You take a flyer on him later. If you draft Melvin Gordon, you better handcuff. You better handcuff him and Royce yeah. Freeman because the Denver backfield, as always, is a fucking total mess and a disaster, and you should really just stay away from it. But if you're going to own one of them, Javante Williams. If you're going to own Melvin Gordon, you're going to have to get all of them. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, so so play with your, your benefit of not having the bulk of half your roster be Broncos running backs and just go with the one that you want to stash instead of having to go, ah, oh, geez, which one's going to stay healthy and have more than five carries this week for me? Because as we stated before, that Broncos running back situation is a mess, and I'm not sure it's so much different this year. No kidding. What about Travis Etienne while we're on the rookie running back subject? I'm out. Uh, I'll, I'll keep James Robinson just because he's a low keeper value in some of my keeper leagues, but I really don't have tons of faith in either of them. Is he still running uh, practice primarily from the slot? Or is that just like a, a mini camp thing? I think that was a, a mini camp. That was a mini camp thing, but I am worried that James Robinson is going to take a lot of touches. I mean, I'm also worried that Jacksonville's offense just isn't going to be that good and they're not going to get into the red zone and scoring opportunities a lot. And that, they, Urban Meyer has said a very, very Mark, Mike Malarkey-ish thing a few weeks ago where he said, like, we're going to impose our will and do our thing and we don't care what the defense is doing. It's like, in 2021? Okay, man, good luck. Like, I don't know. I, I, <laughs> we'll see how this offense looks. They, they franchised Tad Cam Robinson, who's like, even the Titans pass rushers have made him look bad in recent years. So, like, that's, nah, saying, that's saying something. That's another <laughs> team. I'm out on almost everybody on that offense. Definitely Marvin not. Jones is kind of a fun value just because he's going so late, but that's it for me. I see a Saquon question in here. Oh, oh, no, sorry. We have an Austin Eckler. I missed that one completely. Austin Eckler. Eckler. Yeah, he's he plays. He's. I think he's going to play a little bit this year. I believe that was a question during the sleeper section or forgotten yeah, section. Or forgotten, guys. I, I feel like there's a ton of hype around Austin Eckler this year that I don't want any part of. Has this I guy feel, stayed healthy? That's kind of how I feel about the Chargers. Is like I'm kind of a little weary about this hype surrounding the Chargers because there's always that sophomore slump that's lurking, right? I mean, remember the hype out Baker Mayfield and all these guys, and there's the sophomore slump. It's almost like you have to rely on Austin Eckler to stay healthy. You have to rely on Keenan Allen, who's also injury prone to stay healthy. I don't even know who their tight ends are. And then Mike Williams, we know he can't stay healthy. And and they got doctor r- running around stabbing everybody in the lungs. I just don't know if I like I think that Justin Herbert is potentially the real deal, but I think that you may not see the 15 games that you saw last year from Justin Herbert duplicated with more film on tape for defenses. 
And and the stable the stable metrics for quarterbacks are performance in a clean pocket. And one of the most unstable metrics for quarterbacks is performance under pressure. Justin Herbert made so many amazing plays under pressure last year, which is like great. You want to see a guy make plays under pressure, but his performance from a clean pocket was kind of disturbing. And if you there's this chart floating around Twitter right now that shows average depth of chart average depth of target compared to accuracy, and Justin Herbert is below the trend line, and he's also one of the lowest depth of target. This is from a clean pocket. One of the lowest depth of targets from a clean pocket. Don't waste a clean pocket. Target down the field. So I'm yeah, I'm worried about this whole Chargers offense as well. So sorry, Ryan. I know you're you're big on the you like to bring up about Justin Herbert every five seconds, but every I don't know about it right now. <laughs> hey, I guaranteed him last year. This year's you know, whatever. I got I got it right last yeah, year. You this did year. year. Whatever. I'm just going to – I didn't get much right last year. Give me one thing, Zach. You can't win everything. Dang it. <laughs> just got to get my jacket. This is the guy who's picking you every week. To win. I would say yes to this question. If Saquon drops to mid or end of round two, I'm taking him end of round one even, I think. I mean, if he's really yeah. falling. It's top five players. that's risky for me, I think. I, if he drops to round two, a lot of your risk is is mitigated. You got to snatch him up if he's in round two. Yeah. You just can't let him pass because you know what? Then you're going to be like, you're going to end up regretting not taking him. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. and, and when you say bust, just to clarify, you know, earlier, you're saying bust because of where they're being drafted or how they're being thought compared to where they're going to finish. That's still going to be a bust because they're not, you're not going to get everything the thing for your buck. But at some point in time, those guys that even though we're saying busts, the, the farther they fall down, the risk outweighs you know, the, the risk is outweighed at that point in time. And you don't be stupid at that point. I mean, towards, I would say right. that about all three of those guys, that they're starting to fall down to that part, which they won't just be honest with yourself. They're not going to do that. So make your plans accordingly to avoid them early. Let someone else take that risk and then pick someone better like Derrick Henry or Kamara. Just do that kind of thing. That's all we're saying here because, but, but if those guys tend to fall back for your second pick early in the second round. Yeah. yeah. I, I, you know, I, there's no reason not to. Yeah, if you're at the turn, like 10, 11, 12 in a 12-team league and they're still there, you take them. I mean, you because you know number 11 or number 12 is going to take them or whoever's after you is going to take them at the turn before your turn comes back. So you got to take them. Vibes on Kadarius, Tony? No, why? Rookie, get it, get it. No, <laughs> I, the, vi- the vibes on Kadarius, Tony, are is that uh, he's a loser. Sorry, Scott. And he plays for the Giants. Yeah, he plays for the Giants. I am I, bad vibes all around for Kadarius Tony. It's not Kadarius Tony himself. It's more his offensive coordinator, his quarterback, his teammates, it's his a organization. Bit, there's a lot of concern surrounding Kadarius Tony, the 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 person. I mean, it's very Isaiah Wilson esque over there. You know, with that, with, with not uh, quite. Not but quite, I, but pretty. Close. I hear what you're saying. <laughs> I'm kind of hoping he does well, just because I, I selfishly, out of a, I found a random football pack of cards on the I hadn't bought one in a while, and I picked them up, and in it was a Kadarius Tony signed rookie. So, for, signed. My, for, my, for for my purpose, I hope he does well. Yeah. Good luck. I was actually surprised none of us talked about Mike Davis. Me too. I, I, left, I... I left Mike Davis for JG because last week when we were talking about Matt Ryan. You brought up Mike Davis, and I was like, I'll leave it to, to JG. And he just I, totally just forgot about him. I appreciate Griffin for mentioning this because it was between Davis and Damian Harris for my sleeper. And I do think Mike Davis is actually – my worry is that someone we do not – somebody that none of us have heard of yet 
preseason starts on Friday, right? Or Thursday, tomorrow. The Falcons play against the Titans on Friday. Some fourth quarter guy that no one's ever heard of is going to go off. And then in preseason week two, he's going to like have a good game. And then by like week three, we're going to be like, who's this guy? Oh, he had a good preseason. Oh, and like some random guy we never heard of is going to emerge in Atlanta. I think Mike Davis is a good pick to like handle the majority of the workload for like the first quarter of the season. Your league winner this year is going to be some random no-name Atlanta guy who gets all the carries in week 16 or week 17, whatever your championship is now. Trust me on this. It's no, going to be – this is the that is this is the situation. On all accounts. This is a situation that produces a random-ass fantasy superstar is where you have an older guy who's <laughs> never been able to be the lead guy and literally no one behind him. There's okay. no one else. Here well, are the guys the that uh, JG thinks are going to be, you know, candidates to win your league. Corderell Patterson, Keith Smith, which just sounds like a generated name, Kadri Allison, Quadri. former Titans legend uh, Donta Foreman, Caleb Huntley. That could be the one. <laughs> and Javian Hawkins. Those are the guys that JG thinks could win your league. Pass My- on all of them. Mike Davis ended up as RB12 last year, and now he's going to a place where there's no competition. It is just him in a great offensive system in Art Smith with a great offensive head coach. Mike Davis is right now is RB26. We're talking about an RB12 last year in a arguably better situation, going dropping down to RB26 and 65th overalls. And some of them he's going around 72 and 75. That is is mind blowing. And I agree. I'm so glad Griffin brought this up because Mike Davis is worth his weight in gold at this point in his value. I absolutely agree to draft Mike Davis. I just don't think you're going to be able to rely on him for the full season, but for the beginning of it, definitely. Definitely. Next question. How do you guys value Kamara in this offense with a new quarterback similar to last year or lower? We talked about Kamara a little bit already, but we touched on this a little bit earlier. But we can. I, I, I will just say this: I don't think it matters if Jason Winston's playing or Taysom Hill's playing. Kamara's Kamara. He's quarterback proof. He's going to get his. He's going to get his points. What about Jameis Winston? Uh, who's Who's Jason Winston? Oh, well, Jameis Winston too. <laughs> it's Jason Witten and Jameis Winston combined. That's how much Zach's not concerned about the quarterback position in New Orleans for Kamara. If that tells you anything, it doesn't matter if it's Jimmy Bob or Jimmy Joe. <laughs> Does not matter. I will it, say it, he's he's quarterback proof. I will say his targets dropped substantially when for the what one game, two games that Jameis Winston was playing. No, it was with Taysom. I think he got one one or two targets uh, through the three games that uh, Taysom Hill was playing, but I don't think they expected Taysom to play that extensively i'm sure that's something that they worked on was a point of emphasis this offseason um and with no michael thomas he won't have a choice but to uh, check it down true stony i i'm sorry for mocking Kadarius tony so much i like you and i hope Hi, that you stay probably disinvited from his show next thursday you invite me on the show he's like ah oh, shit getting that guy out of there <laughs> No, Stoney, come back. So, guys, I don't see any more questions. I'm going to take this time to chance to wrap it up. Thank you. Thank you, Cody. It was a great show. We had a lot of fun. We may get out of here in under an hour and a half, which is 
my wife's going to kill me. So congratulations. Thanks, guys, for putting me in the doghouse again tonight. I appreciate it. So Anytime. just as a reminder, pull it back together. Go to the broadwaysportsmedia.com. Check out the premium chat section to, to sign up and write your story, your dissertation, why you should be part of the fantasy fan to see, excuse me, Sports League with us. Check that out, broadwaysportsmedia.com. Check out the show on Twitter at BroadwayTN. The show on Flex, excuse me, at Flex on Broadway on Twitter. Head on over, get your Too Fast, Too Derek 2K shirt. It is a masterpiece. Too sweet. Too sweet. You know, tech, you should really be cutting these promos, man. That's just perfect. So, but that's it for us tonight. Until next time, Flexers, we'll see you. A Broadway Sports Media Production.